some stuff back together. Right. That was me. Take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Ever had a verse that popped in your head and it just wouldn't go away? This is one for me, and, and I've been trying to come up with, Lord, what kind of sermon you want me to come do from this? And every time I did one, it would change. We'll look at verse 11 through 17 is where Jesus raises a young man and he had just come from this the meet the centurion and the centurion he had said in verse number nine he said I said you have not found as great a faith no not in Israel so he had just had seen a man of great faith and and it says in verse 11 it says and it came to pass the day after he went into the city of Nain and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people in the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the briar, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And I'll stop there. But I want you to picture the scene as Jesus is walking up to the city, and, and he's just come from a, a the day before seeing a man of great faith, and just he was. As he comes into the city, there's a, a commotion going on at the gate, and there's a few lady there who's lost basically everything now. Briar and Jesus stop. I always like it. He looks at her and he says, "Weep not." And you know, think about that. Well, why did I stop weeping? the briar and, and tells the young man uh, to he says I say unto thee arise and then the young man just sits straight up and starts to talk and I, I think that's such an awesome thing and I said you know Lord as I as I studied this picture because there's those of us that could could relate to the mother where we we are in mourning because of things that's happened but then I said you know the problem is many of us though are the young man is dead and, and see because he didn't know what was going on around him he didn't know that people were hurting he didn't see things only thing he knows he wasn't alive he was dead and I said you know what I said what's really bad there's a lot of people that are dead that don't realize it there's a lot of people who who don't even have an idea of what's going on the young, the young man was oblivious to what was happening around him and I think that's a lot of us that we're we're just like him we're dead and we're we're, we're in a funeral and we don't see it at all because we're so focused on different things. And, and so the Lord kind of gave this to me this morning. I want to say the reason why we're dead. The time I service it, sermon is, are you dead? Because one, we've been deceived. And, and that's, that's the problem with a lot of people. We've been deceived. You know, Paul, you say, well, how can we be deceived? We, we come, we listen, we study, we do all this. But listen to what Paul warned us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. Paul said this, and he said, No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. 
Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. So Paul warns us, he says, you got to be careful because Satan's really good at his game. And, and people say, well, well, hey, I heard such and such a preacher say, I've heard this said, I've heard that said. You ever realize how many people say, well, it's in the Bible and it's not. And the only way you're going to know is if you're in the Bible. Yeah, you, you, you think, I think one of the things that a lot of people hear is this, oh, oh Lord, never puts on you more than you stand. That's not in there. Satan used that because, let me ask you a question. If you could handle everything, why would you need God? Satan's got us convinced we could handle everything. Well, I've got this problem. I've got a burden. I'm going through something, but I'm strong enough to handle it. And Jesus tells us, though, he says, bring me your problems, bring me your burden. How many of us wait? You know, I don't know about y'all. I'm bad about this. I wait till it gets to be more than I can stand. And, and it's all I, it's, and if I would have brought it to God to start with, it would have never been as bad as it is by the time I finally give up and say, Lord, I, I can't handle it anymore. It, it, we, we do things and, and we're deceived because we hear things and we don't find things out ourselves. We, we need to be more in the Word, more on our knees than we are. It's so easy because Satan can get things in our hearts and our heads and have us deceived. You realize that there, there are more people who seek to justify their ways than, than there, there are the hunting for things that is of God's will in their life. You, you ever met that? Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. And, uh, as he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he said this, in chapter But after their own lust shall heap upon themselves teachers having itchy ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall turn unto fables. See, we live in a time people don't want to admit that they're not where they need to be. We live in a time where people seek excuses rather than admit that there's sin in their life. I, I mean, yeah, you, you ever thought about this? When you were a kid, it was always somebody else's fault. How many of you remember when your mother or your daddy got on to you, you would always try to blame someone else? Oh, well, it wasn't me, Mama. It was somebody else hoping that that wrath that you knew was going to happen could be blamed on somebody else. You see, what's bad is as we've grown up, oh, I'm grown up, I don't do that now, we do it with God. We say, well, well, so-and-so, everybody's doing it, and it's just, it's just the way things are today. Let me tell you a secret. Sin, sin, it does not change. And that's that's where we do. We we take something and we say, well, 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 well God, you, you you see, this is how it is today. Well, I, you know, I hate to tell you, but today is a day that the world's falling apart. We need to get back to what God tells us is right and wrong. 
And, and we don't want to do that. Instead, we want to make excuses. So we'll fast. As, as Paul told Timothy, he says there's coming a time when people would rather talk about God's love than their own righteousness. You know, here, here's a problem I think a lot of people have. And, and, and it's true. God loves everybody. And he loves you as you are. But people use that as the, the way they do. You see, we're the bride of Christ. And God wanted a bride that was pure and holy. It goes out to wallows in the mud. But instead we have found people who will tell us, oh, it's okay to do as you want because God loves you. God loves you. Nobody wants to hear that, hey, you need to repent of the sins. Instead, we, we get find people who tell us oh, it's okay to do these things. So we, we, we turn our ears away from the truth. Jim, I think you said it best. People want to use wide out in the Bible. I don't like that verse. I'm going to take it out. I don't like that. I'm going to take it out. Well, he didn't. Well, that's not what it means today. Let me tell you, it meant it then, it means it today. Amen? One of the easiest weapons Satan uses, though, is, is our hearts. Once he gets us to where we don't want to hear the truth, and he's convinced us it's right, he kills our hearts. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, says this. It says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. See, Satan gets you and he starts to change your heart. So, well, that's just not true. How many of you ever do this? Well, well, I know it's all right because I felt peace about it. Let me tell you, sometimes peace is when Satan's just left you alone. Amen? Well, it got a little quiet there. Sometimes peace is when Satan left. I, I was waiting on peace about it. Sometimes Satan ain't going to let you have no peace. And you say, well, I prayed about how often did you pray? When did you stop? You see, sometimes you've got to keep on praying. And sometimes you, God will tell you no. And a lot of us don't like to hear that. Oh, but God, this is what I want. But God, you don't understand. Now, I, you know, I always go back to that thing, but God, it's her fault. What I wanted was okay. And I often wonder why did God didn't look at him and say, but Adam, why didn't you stop her? Why didn't you knock it out of her hand and say, no? You see, because we, we, we want to justify our ways. We've been deceived. And, and, and what's really bad is when we start to justify our own ways, it, it's like in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8, where it says, Harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. You ever thought about the people of Israel? They were on their way to the promised land, coming out of captivity, coming out of slavery coming out of bad things. And God was taking them to the promised land, the land they were promised to go to. And, and what happens is 
They, they took their eyes off God and they started focusing on the things that they didn't have. And before long, their, their hearts were hardened because they kept saying, but hey, in, in Egypt we had this. In Egypt we had cucumbers. In Egypt we had water. And out here it's hard. But in Egypt you were a slave. And they forgot. Their hearts were hardened. And from after that time, God kept saying, they're a stiff-necked people. You're stiff that you don't see that you're a sinner just like that person you keep looking at. You ever notice when you're pointing at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back at you. We don't think about that. And we've been just to this point that, that we start to, to, to shut them out. We're as dead as you can get because... We're too deceived to realize it. Next way you, you can tell if you're dead is your efforts are dead. And you think that happens easily. You know, uh, you make excuses as why well. you don't think and do things. And, and I always think about, whenever I think about efforts being dead, I think about Damas in the Bible. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy verse 4, I mean chapter 4 verse 10, he said, For Damas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed in the Thessalonica. He said, Damas left me. You see, but here's what's so bad is, is if you go back to the book of Philemon and, and, and in, in verses 23 and verse 24, listen to what it says. Paul's writing the church, he says, they they're salute the Ephraimus, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. And then he says, Marcus, Archaeus, Damas, and Lucas, my fellow laborers. So here Damas was laboring and he was working, but instead of being about God, it became about Damas, what's good for me? What's good for me? You know, Lord, Lord, I would do more, but you don't realize what all I got going on. Lord, I, I would read my Bible, but, but, but Jesus, when I come home, I'm tired. And I just don't think I, I, I'll do it tomorrow. Lord, well, I, I, I'll go to church, but, but, but. Lord, I'll tell people about Jesus when, when everything is set right and they're waiting there on their knees ready to say the prayer. And, and where's your effort? How much effort do you put into the kingdom? You know, you know is there effort in your, in your service, in your worship? Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, he says, I will that every... Therefore, that every man, let me start back. I will, therefore, that every man, prayer everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. He said, I just wish people would pray and praise God and quit worrying about stuff. Yeah, you ever notice that people won't clap, people won't say amen until somebody else does it? I'll stick my hand up, but then somebody might look at me weird. I might get excited, but we're bad. 
I mean, really, what is our problem? Where's the effort? He's Paul said, I just wish people would pray. And then he said, without, without getting upset about it. Think about this. Have you ever heard of somebody? Can you believe what they did? They stood up and said, they said, shut up. I mean, we, our problem is we, we don't do anything. Where, where's your effort in, in, in even today? How many of you have given the, the Lord everything today? You know, we don't. We came to his house, you know. We came to his house of prayer. How many of you have even prayed today? I mean, well, you did, preacher. Well, yeah, but you. You know, Where's our effort today? Shouldn't matter what anybody else thinks. And we ought to be praying unashamed and praising and being righteous and not doubting. You know, how many have how many ever been around who are not Christians and you act like they do so that they don't doubt that, that you fit in? You see, we're we're dead because we've been deceived. We're dead because our effort is very little. We're dead because of our acceptance of the truth. I put a picture on Facebook this week about, about being a sheep. And my sheep had a bucket on its head. It's not paying attention to doing anything. And in Isaiah 53 verse 6 says this. I want you to listen to this. All. We are like sheep having gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Did you hear that? The key words here are all. Every one of us. Stray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Isaiah wasn't writing this to the lost. You get that? He was writing it to God's people. He said, we're all like that. See, the problem is, is we think, well, I'm at church today. So that makes me better than everybody else. No. All of us are sinners. Every one of us. There, there's nobody here can't say that they are. Everybody here makes mistakes. We all sin. Yet we want to act like the most righteous people in the world. Never humbling ourselves. It never, never listen to what Scripture... You ever wonder why the Scripture says this? And, my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will hear from them and forgive their sins and will hear their lands. Then I got to look at that verse. I said, you know that word if is the biggest word in there. If my people, if 
my people. The problem is my people don't want to do it. They won't accept the truth that, that, hey, they need to humble themselves. When's the last time you humbled yourself before God? When was the last time you turned from the things that you're doing that you know that are wrong and you came to God and said, God, hey, I'm a sinner. You say, well, well, preacher, I'm not. You need to be the first one in the altar and quit waiting on everybody else. You know, I, I want you to listen to this. This is Paul's description of us when we don't accept the truth. It's found in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. And it says, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. There is they have all gone out of their way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their whose mouth is full of feet are swift to blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. Listen to this one if you don't hear nothing else. There is no fear of This ain't the lost he's talking about. You know, since there's none righteousness, how often do you seek after God? How profitable are you to his kingdom? Have you put anything into it? When people hear you, when they hear you speak about Jesus, are you more of a hypocrite or is there more of the truth in what you say? Do you edify people or do you gossip about them and tear them down? I had to look at that one a lot. Do you run to the gossip? Or do you fall on your knees? How many people go to hell because of you? And the biggest one is do you fear God? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You see, we're, we're, we're dead because of that. We're dead because we don't accept the truth. But the biggest thing about being dead is your decision. You make one every day you wait. You make one every time God blesses you with another day. You, you think you woke up this morning, you were gifted with another day. Something we're not promised. You know, I think one of our biggest things as being Christians and being dead Christians is we think we got plenty of time. Though I, I, I when, when, when things get better, I'll get more to where God wants me to be. When things get right, when, when I have a little more time, you know, I, I, I've talked to people that's retired. They tell me when they retired, they work harder now than they ever had. 
Let's do it at their own pace. See, that we, we think, we, we never look to the future. Because what, what tomorrow might bring might be something you really don't want to have to deal with. You could wake up tomorrow and an illness take you and you never recover completely. So what decisions you make today affects today. We, 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 we keep putting it off. You know, I always say back to what in the book of Joshua. Whereas Joshua is standing before the people in chapter 24 and he says, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord. I thought about that. I said, how would it seem evil to serve the Lord? But here's the problem. Being able to say, well, I've got too much stuff to do. I don't have the time. When you say that, you're saying it's evil. God wants me. I am the one that's important. So he says, if it sees evil for you to the Lord, choose you this day, not tomorrow, not later on, but right now, whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your father, which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, the god of the Amorites, the people whose land you dwell in. He said, you, you, you could go the way everybody else goes, you can make that decision today. You can be just like everybody else. Or you can get, say, well, I, I mean, you don't understand. I heard it good this morning where people say, well, preacher, you don't understand. I, 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 this is the way my people are. You know, well, I, I, I can't love people because I come from a mean family. I heard that and I said, boy, I've heard people say that. You don't understand, preacher. People been mean. It doesn't matter about your people. You ain't your people. You're you. It's your decision. You know, one thing I think the problem with a lot of people is they've never truly decided to follow God. They've never given themselves. A, well, I've been in church. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how many Sunday school classes you sang. I don't care if you've sang in a choir. The question is, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? That's what matters. It don't matter if mama was the one who brought you to church. Next question. Did you ask Jesus into your heart? When you did, did you believe what you said? When you prayed, did you truly say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I can't get you? Because if you just did it because mama wanted you to, because your friends did it, or you think, well, I think I am. Guess what? You ain't. No wonder you're dead. Because you don't know the one who brings life. Because he said this, he says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Josh, I love how he put that. He, he didn't just say it's just going to be me. He said my house too. He already knew that they served the Lord because it was a it was a family thing. Let me ask you this: Can you say you know people around you are serving the Lord? Because let me if you ain't, they ain't. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Your decision on that 
You want a good marriage? You better have a good foundation. You want good kids? You better have a good foundation. You want a good life? You better have a good foundation. And that foundation is only found in Jesus Christ. When you get saved, but you got the best one to help you work at it. Amen? He helps you get there. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you, as a Christian, you fall down. Amen? But here's the difference. We can fall down, we can give sin, we can roll around in it. But you never truly leave it. You don't lose your salvation. Because you're always God's, you know it. When you're out in the world, God lets you know it. If you've been there, you've been saved, you got away, you know what I'm talking about. Boy, he works at you, don't he? Yeah. Ooh, I tell you what, he gets hold of you sometimes, and he comes through sometimes in the middle of things, and you're like, I don't, ooh, Lord, I pray. You might think, well, everything, hey, I'm out in this sinful world, I'm doing just fine, and God shows up, and you realize, oh, no, I'm not fine. I've been there. God let me go as far as he could, but I was never out of his watchful eye. I've been that one sheep that wandered off, but you know what? My shepherd was right there with me. And he decided enough was enough, and he caught me, amen. Brought me back to the pole. I've been there, and I said, well, I'm going to do it again. He run, run off, and guess what? Next time he broke my leg, so I didn't run. He said, I'm going to teach you one way or the other, boy. You're going to do what I say. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm still stupid. I'm, still, I'm that sheep with the bucket on my head. And, and he still looks at me and says, you're still mine. I still love you. I still love you, but I want you to be better. I want you to repent. I want you to come to me because we need more. Let me tell you, if you're out there right now and you're in the world, you need that, that comfort of being with the shepherd, of leaning against him in the time of troubles. Troubles still happen. Problems still come. But I've got comfort because I know my Lord.